everyone i'm here today uh, with another episode of 10x hacks for startup and venture successes today i have a very good friend ashish set on the podcast for you uh, what's special about ashish is he's a very seasoned uh, entrepreneur and a corporate professional as well as he has multiple stints uh, with cross border startups startups which work well in india and in silicon valley he's advising uh, many startup ecosystems and uh, to me the most uh, striking thing about uh, ashish's profile is he is enabling digital tools to work from home to work virtually remotely and his company is doing very well uh the uh, most of the businesses are hit due to the pandemic the coronavirus pandemic and he's doing very well and i really want to know uh what are a few hacks which uh, most of us can learn from him welcome ashish thank you vida uh, i would say let me firstly thank you for having me on the podcast and i'll also say kudos to all the good work you're doing i see a lot of good content that you're posting uh keep it up and of course i look forward to your book as well so yeah uh, looking forward to this conversation awesome awesome thank you ashish uh that's very uh, kind of you so uh you know just like a quick icebreaker can you uh tell a little bit uh, about yourself to the audience uh who you are and uh, what you do in the silicon valley sure yeah uh, let's a little bit about myself so yeah ashish said you know i've been based in silicon valley for the past 20 plus years uh from a career perspective i've cut my teeth in enterprise software uh mm-hmm. predominantly in the customer experience space so i've either been building selling positioning uh you name it uh, around enterprise software with uh, customer experience being the area that i focus on and that if i just a little more detail on that it's predominantly crms marketing automation and most recently contact center solutions so that's my background uh otherwise i would describe myself as inherently curious and perpetually looking to learn new things and experiences so that's uh, you know just that's in a nutshell me um in my current role i think with you kind of alluded to it so currently i'm working with a company called nice in contact uh mm-hmm. it's a leader in uh, cloud contact center solutions uh-huh. and i run the partner program and strategy there awesome awesome so uh so to the audience a little bit about how i met ashish we met at a uh, election campaign and i really uh, uh was amazed by the way he was able to uh, lay out the structure of the election campaign and uh, the way he explained the the strategy in leading the campaign and i was so curious i asked him and there you go uh, what he does uh, on his uh, on a daily basis is guide and strategize uh, uh, businesses so you know ashish based on my interaction with you i wanted to ask uh, what uh, uh, what does your experience as a cross border entrepreneur across india and silicon valley and in corporate what does it teach you about being resilient you know across the dot com bubble across the pandemics and economic meltdowns you know uh, is there anything you can recommend to all the, all the um, start startup uh, founders and corporate professionals who are in a panic right now uh, do you have any best practices anything you can tell them 
you know great question you know we live in interesting times uh, and you know i would call all of us sort of you know who work in companies who uh, and a lot of these companies are global in nature so as global citizens uh, while this pandemic or the situation is unique in its nature but it is not the first time that we are seeing sort of an unforeseen event come across right mm-hmm. um I don't know if I would call it a best practice but I would just say just based on some of the experiences in the past both as working in a large company or startup for that matter um what I can start off by saying is uh, you know it's always good to expect the unexpected that's one doesn't really matter which situation you are in uh, either you're an entrepreneur or you're working in a large company or even in your personal life for that matter Mm-hmm. so that's how i look at it that's how our company also looks at it for that matter mm-hmm. and i always believe you know and just as a general mantra plan for it plan for the unexpected uh, i always uh, always say planning is important plans can change okay and, mm-hmm. go ahead and yeah yeah i mean that, that's step one and then specifically when we come to our professional careers be it as entrepreneurs or as or in corporate career um you know i always talk about planning and this may be a bit of insight or advice you could call it uh, you know i wouldn't call it a best practice but just my insights if you will or or you know my approach to it if you will mm-hmm. it's about when you plan you always tend to plan for two situations one is things you can control yeah and things you don't control oh. and uh, when you talk about direct control say you're an entrepreneur i think that's some of your audience there you yeah. know you can control things like your product strategy your sales and marketing strategy even budgeting and to a large extent even funding right there are so many sources of funding you can uh-huh. figure out what you don't control is things like what we are experiencing today uh-huh. or economic downturns right? right right now to plan for that and i'll just kind of and i'm sorry i'm going for a longer answer there <laughs> i think the way to way to think about unforeseen circumstances is uh, i'll give you an example you know um, when you come up let's take an entrepreneur i i started my uh, company way back you know i had one my own startup way back in 2007 2008 uh-huh. it started that was if you remember it very first thing that hit us was the last economic downturn yeah and, mm-hmm. and call it serendipity call it hindsight or call it planning and i'll probably call it the latter too uh if you're coming up with an idea or a startup make sure that the idea is of inelastic nature that is your you know another way to put it whatever problem you're solving as an entrepreneur um is it a painkiller or is it a vitamin mm. try to think about painkillers that would be fun item mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh second insight i could give you is uh, you know as an entrepreneur uh we often have this tendency you know, times are great around us we are in silicon valley money is flush let's build the next awesome product and customers will come mm. no don't do that also plan for uh you know the, as in plan meaning make sure that while you're building mm-hmm. you also think through and plan your sales strategy you think through how you will take it to market uh-huh. without that you're missing a big trick not having a sales strategy means you're not having a strategy to get customer feedback mm i'll pause there yeah 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 no no uh, this is a this is a great insight because the rush in which startups are coming out nowadays 
I doubt if they even think about marketing and sales strategy uh, when they uh, get together and decide to quit their job or you know or not pursue a degree. Uh, those are seldom the things they think about. And you know, right now you you talked about planning for the unexpected. Did you mean black swan situations? Is that what you meant? Yes, I did. I, I, and, I, and it sounds sort of uh, paradoxical. How can you plan for something that you don't know? But that is precisely the point. You know, you've got to, things that you control, you absolutely have a plan. And those plans can change. But there's also the plan for the unexpected. And that's what I'm alluding to. And, and no matter what the unexpected event is, the three key points to planning for those is, making sure that what you're building is a painkiller than a vitamin. So that's just okay. the very basis of your idea. Uh -huh. Second one is, and I, I did emphasize a bit on sales, which is sort of, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I'll tell you why. That, uh, you know, the interesting aspect when entrepreneurs come up, you know, plan things, yeah. it, often the sales cycle comes much later. And I always say, don't do that. Include that in your plan, because mm -hmm. that very plan is your most proactive, reliable, and efficient way to understand where the market is going. Uh, so when something hits you, you are actually well aware of your surroundings. Right. So it's, a, it's like being agile. It's, it's being very agile. Uh, this is beyond lean. You're thinking beyond lean. Uh, most people say include marketing uh, plan in your uh, business plan, but you're talking about sales, can you give an example to the audience uh, with specific products you've dealt with or anything you can talk about? Sure, I'm thinking aloud here. I think a good <laughs> example, yeah, a good example would be the very startup that I talked about. So just to go back, right, 2007, 8, 9, I had my own company. Company was Cloud Squad. That was a startup we incubated. And in those days, the idea was helping customers build uh, B2B communities or sort of, sort of customer communities. Uh, right. The right. idea there, yeah, the idea is you could, for simplicity, call it Facebook for the enterprise. Now, obviously, we are in 2020. That sounds like a very basic idea. But go back in 2007, 8, that was novel. All right. Mm -hmm. I think what we got right, again, in hindsight, was uh, because we weren't as flush with funding, you know, we really had to be very lean with our budgeting. And mm -hmm. that meant that what we built had to be sold and mm -hmm. not sold like two years after starting the company, but almost, you know, within a quick time horizon. Right. And what that taught us is the moment you start having a structured sales cadence, have someone responsible for that, plan for that, since the topic is planning for that, that becomes a very essential tool in two things. One is obviously you get better customer feedback. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, the best test is if somebody is willing to pay for your solution or service, it's a yeah. painkiller. Right. Yeah. Right away. Mm -hmm. um, and that helped us plan for these type of situations much better. So mm -hmm. when the downturn hit us, mm -hmm. um, because we knew our customers, we had a customer base. We were able to adapt it very quickly to tailor to the new environment. If we didn't have sales, if we didn't have the customer relationships, you could still be building a product or a solution, not knowing where it's going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a truly good insight. Um, you know, if, if you look at, if you look at uh, nowadays, they run these campaigns where you pre-order stuff, you pre-book 
stuff and then like kickstart a campaign where you're building and you're sharing with audience you're getting a feedback right away and you're modifying your product it, is this is that something you're uh, alluding to is it, does that sound like it it does it does and i think you know uh, those cycles you you bring up a good point you know there is always the enterprise software cycle and then there is sort of the direct to consumer cycle the feedback loops with direct to consumer cycles are you know as you described these are closed feedback loops right. but it, it, for enterprise large ticket items which is where obviously my expertise is um it's not like you build up a you know a new i don't know uh, enterprise software solution say for a customer relationship or marketing automation and you know you, you the only way you're going to get a feedback is going and actually going through a sales cycle which could include a proof of concept actual money transaction and the sooner you start doing that the faster is your feedback loop mm. uh but why would they uh, invest in you your plan unless they saw what you have done as a startup good question again uh, so the investment so from a customer's perspective typically kicks in obviously you need to have something of a minimally viable product right mm-hmm. that is right. essential mm-hmm. so that i am already accounting for what i'm suggest what i'm stating here or suggesting here is you know don't wait for the perfect product which is 2 years out start thinking about first initial cycles and actually test marketing it and selling it test marketing is yes you can talk about it but the actual uh, you know what you call validation comes when somebody actually buys it even if it's a simple proof of concept but it's sort of you know you get paid for it awesome awesome this is a really good uh, uh, you know advice to founders or you know even uh, even people in uh, uh senior level positions in corporations this is this should be like a um innate drill this this is how it should be done <laughs> i think uh, business the business school is very waterfall <laughs> this is what you're talking is more agile <laughs> it is it is i think it's a, a, you know adaptive business drives you know agile software uh, not the other yeah. way around so yeah yeah and uh, so that's great advice and uh, obviously you're able to do well in the uh, covid times so uh, if, did you do anything specifically different uh, that you are thriving in uh, in the covid uh, you know lockdown time your business is doing well did you do something different other than the uh, sales cycle uh, incorporate uh, which is talked about you know again excellent segue there uh, if we if we come to my current role uh, two interesting aspects of it i work at a company which is uh, which is providing contact center solutions right so um, by the nature of our business lot of our customers tend to be in the state and local uh, governments uh, they are you know healthcare service providers bottom line you know to translate it simply if, if unfortunately if today somebody is uh, you know out of a job they are probably picking up the phone and calling the state or local state or local you know unemployment department or if you're in a hopefully not but if you need medical help you're probably calling a healthcare service provider right a lot of those cases mm-hmm. um it's our software right so that's mm-hmm. a you know you could call it like uh, inherently obviously the we were in a good sticky business Mhm. Secondly, 
obviously we have been around in this business for a long time so we have a decent customer base right which is where the sales and the engagement comes in mm-hmm. so we were able to react to it i guess in a very timely fashion so the moment the sort of pandemic started to you know uh, i guess gain momentum if you will if i can use that term it started mm-hmm. to kind of really become a challenge we as an organization were able to quickly adapt for three reasons right one of course we you know uh, and, and let me before i go how we adapted i think the first thing we did was we suddenly recognized that because of the volumes of transactions that will be coming in mm-hmm. we need to immediately start helping the communities that we work in which is starting to offer you know our some of our customers the ability to scale up mm-hmm. without any additional costs so that's mm-hmm. what we did we mm-hmm. packed it up with a lot of technology which can actually help you scale mm-hmm. and you round it off the fact that we had all these relationships helped us to quickly respond not only to the business environment to the as well as but also the customer environment so mm-hmm. that i would say is a sign you know one was a function of the business of course and that's what we do but second one the ability to respond in double quick time was a result of all the planning ta- uh, aspects that i call for you know uh, being ready for a unexpected event which we were yeah. ability to react and adapt which we were mm-hmm. and then third one is add a meaningful value in a situation which was an inelastic situation or a painkiller wherein your solution truly helps people transition to work from home while keeping the lights on awesome awesome this is a great service to the community but also at the same time you're uh, protecting and preserving your business and um that's the power of planning and you know um you, you've moved from a startup to a corporate job and uh, what are some of the uh, guidelines you can give uh, to um you know people in corporations or even startups about planning and any specific uh, like is it do you do quarterly planning annual planning or uh, you have a team which uh, thinks about risk and you take them seriously what is it that you can tell people about planning oh great uh, good question you know so my career has always i mean if it's it's sort of interspersed i've started with really large companies then i've gone through a series of startups including my own and then back to large organizations so i think your question if i understood it correct was around planning cycles yeah planning. um mm-hmm. what i can say is large companies you know by its very nature they've been around for a long time they've seen things right it's if Uh, you know some companies including ourselves have been around for more than close to 30 years now so mm-hmm. they have seen a fair share of situations like these right right, right. So planning is obviously part and parcel so what insights you drive there is you know uh, without going into details of what each organization really does one what large corporations invariably what they do right or in most cases try to do right is planning in the near term and long term so mm. that that uh, dna is sort of planning dna is ingrained right. some companies do it better than others but reality is one thing so large companies almost like running a large com- country in a way right you go through planning yeah. cycles so that's what it, it, that is inherently built in what i can say for startups i would always say planning is essential plans can change in startups you have to keep doing that but your horizon 
for planning can you know your definition of near term and long term can be slightly different in startups it's probably at least from my perspective and again my own experience it was more like a six months to a one year plan and being able to follow through it was right. a great achievement yeah. for a large company that is probably a year and beyond right uh, because large corporations uh, have a higher momentum uh, for yes. change so they they do have some sort of inertia so i i agree with that so along those lines uh, you know i i uh, just heard you say you it was a very successful stint of planning and management at nice yeah. for for a person in your position who's listening to this podcast uh, what can you tell him uh, about the challenges what to look out for so let me make it sort of more broader if you will you know uh, somewhat uh, so let's put it let's rephrase the question if you allow me i think if i understood you right a planning in a large organization or you know driving outcomes in a large organizations what are the challenges is that a fair way to put it yeah yeah let's put it that way yeah yeah fair fair you know great question again uh, i've seen both sides of the equation you know when you're in a startup um you know the constraints or sort of or 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 you know often the decision making is within a much smaller group so there's an agility built in but right. when you switch to large corporations you need to be aware of couple of things right mm-hmm. large organizations have scale yeah. right yeah but lack speed all right so mm-hmm. always be aware of that mm-hmm. no matter how awesome the company is when compared to a 10 15 20% startup your own startup my startup or even a startup which has you know scale to series b right three, Mm-hmm. large organizations have scale but they will lack in speed mm-hmm. if you are planning plan to tap into the scale aspect of things mm. that will okay. be that will be your strength that's a strength so you mm-hmm. go after the strength the second one is um, you know anything that you want to get done in a large organization decision making often will start with coalition building so whenever you're planning or trying to drive outcomes to your initiatives in a large company tap yeah. into the scale uh-huh. build coalitions uh-huh. and the last one also be cognizant uh, uh, and don't be frustrated also at the same time yeah. that large companies come up with a lot of competing priorities as well so yeah. you are your priority may not always be number 1 every time so if you're aware of those three lessons yeah. you know tap scale build coalitions and be aware of what is happening in the broader spectrum will yeah. help you drive your planning and outcomes better startups flip side it's almost the opposite you know you are if you're an entrepreneur or you're a co-founder or in the executive leadership team right. pretty much your decision making can happen in a short meeting over a you know conference room and right. you can start driving things large right. organizations a little more complex yeah this is amazing uh, you know coincidentally i'm working with a team uh, which is uh, creating policy for uh, ai governance and uh, you know we we are dealing with a country level uh, decision making body there they talk about uh, subcommittees you know and uh, they have a multi stakeholder model very similar to yours so it's amazing how this uh, uh, ruling a large organization makes you ready for running an election campaign isn't it <laughs> it That's, does yes 
that's what uh, impressed me most when i worked with you on the election campaign <laughs> all your skills were transferable <laughs> i must say that if i go back to that uh, about a year ago for your benefit of your audience i don't know if we can give context there uh, this was about uh, a friend of ours he is running for the congress right. uh, and this was the primary elections and you're very right vidya it's it's uh, the complications of running an election Yes. Uh, it's even more different than a corporate thing right because unlike a corporate which has got a mission vision statement and a sort of a charter to drive shareholder value which is its single most guiding principle uh-huh. in uh, in a campaign in a public life yeah. imagine the other constraints coming in so you know you you or or it it's it's not only the every every other thing that we talked about in terms of planning but you have to also plan for far too many competing priorities and interests coming together and your ability to cut through that so yeah that experience that you and i went through was very interesting i would just say that was a good learning experience exactly and you know uh, coming to my next question uh, i've i've been uh, Uh, listening to this term a lot nowadays the an anti fragile uh, organizations uh, and i was reading this article uh, from harvard business review which says organizations should no longer be built for uh, efficiency but they should be built for resilience and the uh, the author makes a whole case about it uh, uh, so anti fragile means uh, things which you depend on if they go away will you still be able to survive mm-hmm. what is your one most important tip other than planning and other than thinking about sales strategy in your uh, initial plan anything else you think will help you through anti fragility like repurposing or pivoting is there anything like that you want to tell your audience oh good one uh you know that is inherently a characteristic so one thing what i could add to that is you know one characteristics which develops uh, anti fragile uh, what do you call characteristics of an organization is um, and i'll go back to just another lesson which i've seen in my career mm-hmm. um, one more thing that organization should do to become anti fragile um, is one is of course the adaptability and the ability to pivot mm-hmm. right Right. but the third aspect is you know um I, I, the world that we live in you know the business models change so fast right mm-hmm. competitions change so fast mm-hmm. now a lot of companies tend to kind of you know what i call the you know the while we get so busy running our existing lines of businesses right, right mm-hmm. that we fail to tap into the next emerging wave and you can you can just sort of look at every industry out there it could be you know automobile moving from you know i don't know gasoline based to electric and if people are not reacting some will win some will lose and right. if you look at hindsight the ones who will lose are who failed to invest and adapt or plan you know all three if you will mm-hmm. to figure out what is the next future if you end up spending all your time designing the best done gasoline engine and the most luxurious car without spending an commensurate amount of your effort trying to figure out what would your car be in the electrical world or the right. self driven world you're right. going to lose out 
yeah. and that is again anti fragility if i move it to software area which is where we all are comfortable uh-huh. i would have a portfolio of capabilities that i take to market today but yeah. what am i doing to develop mm-hmm. capabilities which have to react to say a changed environment and the future so that's a pattern i think i might just from my perspective mm-hmm. that is another trait of building anti fragile patterns or characteristics of an organization which is you know what i call uh, uh, there's a book i'm forgetting the name but it's you, know, you if you yeah. look at businesses that's a future state business that you need to think about right right uh, that's a great insight thank you for that ashish uh, as we wrap up um, our conversation here uh, you know um, you've been through lots of ups and downs and you've seen uh, you've managed a variety of portfolio of products here in your journey um, what is your advice on uh, driving value in a changing business environment other than uh, the factors you mentioned here staying uh, uh, anti fragile is there anything you want to talk about uh, you can you can address startups uh, and mid and large sized corporations as as the three different audience here i think maybe this is going to be no good question i think it's um, my if i were to just sort of give a closing thought process you know let's start, break it down by startups and say large organizations because that's a two broad categories sure. uh, startups i would firstly by saying you know irrespective of where we are in our current environment if there there was no better time in the history especially in technology um, than today to be an entrepreneur so let's start there so you know yeah. where we are today mm-hmm. you know um, that's one you know there's no better time Uh-huh. second one i will say a bit philosophical you know uh, often situations like these lead to breakdowns in you know funding cycles business cycles call it what you will you know the pandemic does lead down lead to sort of breakdowns in what we consider normal but uh-huh. breakdowns also lead to breakthroughs okay yeah as long as the, you are focusing on the right areas the right value which i always i was referring to as building painkillers painkillers yes. for today and tomorrow yes and matching it uh, in uh, to sort of uh, market demands in right. the in a in the near term horizon and making sure that you close that loop mm-hmm. you're likely to have a better chance of success awesome. right yeah. uh, and i know i keep going back to the sales argument and my sorry if i i sound very repetitive there but that is one of the biggest insights i developed mm-hmm. because when i started from an engineering world then mm-hmm. moved over to sort of the business side mm-hmm. i always felt that one side uh, you know sort of uh, uh, underreached on the other side meaning one did not look at the other side and the other side does not quite know what happens on the engineering side right. only if you close that loop and mm-hmm. build the right pain killer you have the odds of success there awesome so great advice uh, ashish thank you so much for your time uh, you've given a very holistic view to uh, startup founders as well as people holding uh, uh, holding their fort in uh, large corporations uh, uh, definitely your advice will be a beacon of light i really appreciate the time uh, and insights you provided today and uh, i'd like to thank you and uh, wish you all the very best thank you so much and uh, good luck to your audience as well and of course you and i will stay in touch and i look forward to more and more of your uh, publications posts and of course your book coming up so, thank you